Well, I, I definitely appreciate uh, I appreciate the the tone and the uh, the laughing and and all of those things. I I think it's it's healthy. It's healthy. All right. We've moved on from shirt selection. All right. Turn to First Timothy chapter three. First Timothy chapter three. All right, we are quickly approaching the end of chapter 3. Uh, we will cover verses 14 and 15 today and, uh, and then uh, look forward to what the Lord has for us next week in verse 16. But uh, read along with me, 1 Timothy 3, 14. Um, and I might have a typo on your, on your that I said 16, but it's 15. Uh, These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest... Know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And and so I appreciate uh, I appreciate Michelle's prayer a few moments ago about you know getting me out of the way because that's the only way this is going to work. Tim, I don't have a clicker, so uh, if you could advance a couple, you know, maybe one more. Um, so thank you. So, you know, we're just going to take this, and really it's two messages. They're somewhat distinct, interrelated, but somewhat distinct today. And the first is we're really going to focus on this hoping to come unto thee shortly. These things I write unto thee. So, but, but I want to do a, just a quick flyby. When someone writes, like the Apostle Paul writes in his letter, these things write I unto thee. And this happens from time to time in Scripture. That's a pretty important like, point in the, in the book or in the letter. Like if you were writing someone and said, this is why I'm writing you, they would probably camp on or at least understand that that's an important concept associated with your communication to them. right? And that's literally what's going on here is Paul is addressing the reason for the letter. Okay, and so, you know, because this is made up of multiple messages and it could be many more if I had broken it down uh, even different to this point. But these things that all the things we've covered up to this point, Paul's saying, I'm I'm giving them to you all the stuff about how women should be in the church, all the stuff about how to ordain or, or the qualifications of pastors and deacons, all the different aspects of of the behavior are so that you, Timothy, can lead the church as you're supposed to see, as you're supposed to execute on that. I'm writing this unto you because I might not get to you, okay? I might not get to you. I want to get to you. I hope to come to thee shortly. But even if, but if I don't, or if I'm not there soon, this is what I want you to do, okay? And so it's really with that background. So today we're going to talk about some biblical planning, and then we'll, we'll look into to the sec, kind of a second half of the message. But it, so this first part is, uh, these things are right under the hoping to come unto thee shortly, but if I tarry long, if it takes me a little while to get there, which I, I, I want to spend some time because there's a, a lot in the New Testament, a lot in Paul's writings, specifically around this concept. So Tim, if you could bring it up, there's, there's really... There are plans that are provisional, okay? And we're going to look at each of these. There are plans that are provisional. That means they're of the leading of the Lord. I'm planning to do this, but I'm relying on God to direct me, okay? There are plans that are conditional. I'll do this 
if the Lord's in it, okay? I'll do this if the Lord opens the door, okay? That, does that make sense? They're validating of the Lord, okay? And again, if you don't get all the words, they will come up again on different sides. Plans that are hindered, they're contrary to the Lord. So the Lord may allow Satan to hinder them, or Satan may attack them so much that, that God allows the plans to be held, but they're contrary to the Lord. And then plans that are interim. I couldn't come up with a, that are, I didn't want to call them temporary, but they're what we're going to do until the Lord clearly opens the door. And that's waiting on the Lord. And I think this is, <clears throat> as I dug into it, I was kind of excited. I, I, oh, I'm just to be transparent. There's some messages I'm more excited about delivering and more excited about studying than others. This one I'm more excited about because I think it fits really well with where our church is right now. We've been looking for space. We've been looking for buildings. We've been looking for options. We, you know, we considered an apartment building there that didn't, it wasn't going to be it. Then the, then this grocery store came open and we started down that path and the Lord closed that door pretty quick. And then we, then we went down the street to the AT&T building and that kind of drug on for a while, but the Lord closed the door on that a couple of times, a couple of different ways. And now there's this other opportunity in a building next to the Warwick, uh, Warwick theater. So we're, it, it feel, it's very personal for me right now that the Lord is in the plan, okay? And that's why I called it biblical planning because biblical planning, we'll see, has different aspects to it. So if you go to the first one, this leading of the Lord, plans that are provisional, right? That are provisional, they're a leading of the Lord. We're going to see a couple different concepts. Hope in 1 Timothy 3, uh, 14, this passage we're in, these things write unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. Like, that's my desire. I hope to get to you. I don't know that I'll get to you, but I hope to. In Philippians 2, 23, there, him, therefore, I hope to send presently, so as I shall see how it will go with me. So, um, so he, like, I'm hoping to send, and I should have written this down, I think Timothy, I hope to send him, but like, I'm still not totally sure, okay? There, I, I got to wait for the Lord to open, uh, open the doors. So there's this concept of hope. There's this concept of may, and you'll see all of these verses are of Paul's writing. Paul is very transparent as a leader that this is what I'm planning on doing this is what i desire this is what i hope but i'm leaving it in god's hands be careful of a of a leader even a pastor who's like well this is the way it's going to be well seems to me you're leaving the lord out of the equation right like it seems to me like this is you're you're not leaving room for the holy spirit to change course that seems to me that that could be very prideful <laughs> A, a, a leader like Paul who lays his cards on the table face up and says, this is what I would like to have happen, but I trust the Lord's going to be in it. Like we were trusting the Lord for Jody's, Jody's apartment. Like we're trusting the Lord for other things. We want the Lord to be in the midst of the plan. That's really important because like literally... We could push and make things happen. I don't know if you remember the story. Some of you weren't here at the time we, we tried to get the, the um, 
the grocery store, but you know, the offer, you know, the, the, the asking price was here, and I think we were basically at the asking price, but the appraisal came in here, and the Lord shut the door like it was just not feasible to get to cover the difference or, or to get the loan. The Lord just shut the door. We want the Lord to do that in this ministry. We're going to apply wisdom, we're going to apply, you know, reasonableness, we're going to apply common sense. But we're going to trust that the building at the end of the street, the AT&T building, looked wonderful. And it's empty. And it's been empty. But the Lord shut the door. Okay. Like, I don't lose any face on that. Sam doesn't lose any face on that. We were exploring it. We don't have to be in a position as leadership that's like, well, now that's embarrassing. I mean, our plans didn't work out the way we wanted them to. And I've been under leaders like that where if it doesn't go the way they portray it, then they have to backtrack and they have to kind of finagle it and they have to kind of package a story around it, the old proverbial spin doctor, right? They have to, they have to make it seem like God was in it. But I, yeah, that's the way, I, I thought it was going to be that way the whole time. Well, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. So look at this May in 1 Corinthians 16, 5 to 6. Now I will come unto you, when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. And it may be that I will abide, yea, and winter with you, that ye may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. So Paul has a confidence in this situation that something generally is going to happen, but he doesn't know the specifics. I'm very confident the Lord is going to do something in this place. He is going to do something like give us more space or he's going to send some of us out so that we have the space to continue to see folks saved, folks reconciled in the relationship with the Lord, etc. Like I am absolutely confident because that aligns with his word. But I don't know exactly how it's going to work, right? It may be that he'll open up this, this situation again. Or it may be that he'll close all the doors and he'll just compel us that we've got to split the church into two or three and we've got to spread out and we've got to send some folks like we did to Lee Summit somewhere else. I, I don't know. Like we haven't had those discussions because we don't know what the Lord's doing yet, right? But we're, we're flexible. Romans 1.10, making request, if by any means now at length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. I mean, I was really amazed at how transparent Paul was in his writings to say, this is my heart, but I'm trusting God. Look at this. Oh, oh, oh. You heard the word trust, so you would jump ahead, didn't you? Dang it. We'll work on that. He was trusting God. By the, by, by the will of God, he was willing to make sure that his desires aligned with the will of God. Ding! So, <laughs> trust. So this is interesting because he puts this word trust, and I know there's a, it's a little bit of an eye chart, and I apologize for that. But look at this. Uh, in Philemon... Uh, 1, 22, uh, verse 22. But with all, pre uh, prepare me also a lodging. So he's not asking them to, to build another building or anything. He's just saying, get, get, prepare me a place, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be given to you. I trust that God's going to allow me to come see you. Like, I trust that we're going to get to camp this year. It's possible that God will shut the door and we can't go to camp. But I trust. Like, I'm going to register 
I'm gonna gonna make you know we're gonna figure out the room situation. Where I I trust that that's gonna happen. Like I'm I'm thinking ahead. I trust in that, but not like trust the way I trust in my salvation. I'm just kind of planning, right? In uh, in Second John in verse twelve, having many things uh, to write unto you. I would not write with paper and ink, and this is John, I I know, that wrote this, but I trust to come to you and to speak face to face that our joy may be full. Like, I want this to happen because it's going to be edifying for us. And I think God's going to allow it because it's in alignment with his word, and I I believe it's going to come to pass. Now, I'm not going, I'm not like trying to be Nostradamus on it. I'm not trying to say I've got some, you know, it, you know, connection with the medium to like God's telling me we're going to get the building. It's not like that. Right. But I trust. I trust. Even in, in uh, third John, I trust I shall see uh, shortly see thee that we and we shall speak face to face. Romans 15, 24. Whensoever I take my journey into Spain, which is interesting because it's never recorded in Scripture that Paul takes a journey to Spain, I will come to you. For I trust to see you in my journey. Like, that's part of my plan. So we saw before, we saw hope, we saw may. Now we see this trust in Philippians 2.19. I trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Sorry, that's not highlighted. To send Timotheus shortly unto you that you may be of good comfort. Philemon, or I'm sorry, Philippians 2.24, but I trust in the Lord that I myself, or that I also myself shall come shortly. And 1 Corinthians 16.7, for I will not see you now, by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you. At some point, we're going to be able to hang together, but notice, if the Lord permit. And Paul, and, and, and to some degree, we, we, we saw a couple verses with John. This is, the, this is the mark of a good leader, okay? And leaders grow, leaders fail, leaders do good sometimes. And a good leader has nothing, they don't, there's no veil. You're getting the reality of the leadership, okay? The mar- one mark, not, I shouldn't have said the mark, a mark of a good leader is that There is nothing, like there's no, I've been in staff meetings, I've been in elders meetings, I've been in deacons meetings in this place, I've been in board meetings, and and Sam doesn't act different. He just doesn't. Now, he, he targets his message. That's not different. Right? I mean, that's not, he's not acting different. He's, look, like, like if I have a conversation with Michelle, it's going to seem different than conversation with some of you. I've known Shane for 13 years. And so my conversation with Shane's probably going to be a little bit different than with Bobby, who I haven't known for 13 years, you know. Um, and I, I did a teen, but it's actually more, it's more than a teen. And it's, it, it's like... A whole decade more than a teen, isn't it? <laughs> so it's like a lot longer. Um, but just because my conversation with them is a little different, they're still going to get the real me, right? A pastor or a leader who has to put on a facade, Paul does not do this, by the way. A pastor or a leader who has to put on a facade is by definition not a leader, they're a showman. Or a show woman. A show person. They're, yeah, they're a 
they're an actor. <laughs> right? 1 Timothy, I, I, you can highlight these if you want. The 1 Timothy 3.14, the uh, Philippians 2.23, the Philemon reference, the, the two 1 John references, the Romans, the other Philemon ref, or, uh, Philippians reference, and the 1 Corinthians 6.7 are all the same word, believe it or not. So in English, we have trust, may, and hope. But in the Greek, they're all the same word. Not all the verses, but the vast majority of the verses are the same word. And you say, well, why is that important? I read English. Well, it's this concept of trust or may or hope, but with an expectation, right? Not a guarantee type of hope. Like, I hope in my salvation. I hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a certain thing, okay? That's not this, this hope. This is a hope with an expectation, but also a peace. The word actually comes from other Greek words that, that, that connotate a peace. So you know how you have, sometimes you have peace about certain things and you don't have peace about other things? You know, some people call it intuition. For the child of God, it's the Holy Spirit working in you. And you need to learn to listen to that. You need to be able to say, Lord, I, I sense that you don't want me to do this right now. Like, I need you to open or close the doors because it, these were my plans and this is what I thought you wanted me to do. But I need you to, like, interject yourself in this, like, in a tangible way. So when we were going through a, a little bit of of uh, play, just situation with my career and just different things and where we were going to be, I prayed specifically that I would not have to make choices, that the only choice I would have to make was obedience. Like, when God lays the two choices on the table of obedience and disobedience that I just need to choose obedience. That's the only choice I want to have to make. So inviting the Lord to be a part of that equation is something that I would strongly encourage you to do. So click one more time for me here, Tim. So, so this is this, I, I put the, the last verse in each of these uh, in italics because I, th this is kind of the takeaway the takeaway, James puts it a different way. Not the same words, but James puts it a different way. He says, go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get great gain. And get gain. Like, some people are going to say, this is my plan. This is what I'm going to do. Okay? Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. People like do devotions and messages on that. And, but it's, 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 within this, it's within this greater passage of people saying, this is what I'm going to do. Well, how do you know you're going to do it? Your life is a vapor. You could die in a car wreck on the way. Like, you know, but what you ought to say is, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. And I know it's like, it's a pretty simple thing, but I've gotten, I've tried to get in the habit, I'm developing the habit when people will say, well, I'll see, I'll see you on Sunday, if the Lord wills. Like, there could be a reason why I'm not here or you're not here. And they used to, the, the country way of saying is that if the, uh, if the Lord wills and the creek don't rise, right? Right? I mean, if the creek don't rise, because then I can't get you, right? Which is just another way of saying if the Lord wills, right? Because if the creek keeps you from getting there, then obviously the Lord was in the rain. So, 
But that is, your, that is the approach that we should take with our goings. Paul does this literally with his missionary planning. And I would beg you that you do that with respect to this ministry. And I don't mean this fellowship per se, although I certainly want it in this fellowship. I want this ministry, I want this church to go in, in, a, in, a, in a way of faith, trusting that God's going to do something, but being completely 100% at peace if he shuts the door like that. Like, we went and toured this building on Friday. And I'm telling you, like, people were salivating. We want this building. We want it. But we don't want it at the expense of going against the Lord. We're not going to kick, as the scripture would say, kick against the pricks, right? Things that are pricking back against us, we're not going to be pushing against God saying no. And as the Lord allows us to take the next step, we'll take the next step. And when he says, don't take that step, okay, where shall we go? Going to the next one. Um, plans that are conditional, right? Plans that are conditional. Though these are validated or validating of the Lord. So, look, there, it's almost always an if-then. Not always, but almost always an if-then. In Hebrews 13, 23, and I believe that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. It's not clearly delineated, but even this verse is one of the kind of the stronger verses that points to a Paul uh, a Pauline uh, authorship, as they say. Know ye that our brother Timothy is set at liberty, with whom, if he come see you shor- uh, come uh, shortly, I will see you. So, if God allows Timothy to get out of prison to come to where I am and relieve me, then I will come to you. Do you see the kind of the conditional situation where God says, "Okay, I'm going to backfill Paul." With Timothy, that's an indication that Paul, that that for, to Paul, that the Lord's in the midst of that work. So one of the things we're doing right now and trusting about this building is we're going to trust the appraisal process that was the door shutting gate for the the grocery store across the street. We're going to trust that God does the same thing here, and we're specifically praying about that. Lord, if you don't want us to have the building, use the appraisal process to shut the door. It's conditional. 2 Corinthians 4, 19. But I will come to you shortly, if the Lord will, and will know, not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. So there's some other context there. Romans 15, 25 and 28. But now I go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. So that's his plan, right? Jump down to verse 28. When therefore I have performed this, and have sealed to them this fruit, I will come to you, to, uh, uh, come uh, by you into Spain. So again, I've got something that's going to happen first. I'm trusting that God's in that. Once I get that accomplished, then the Lord, if he will, will lead me to you. In Acts, again, this is, this is not uh, written by Paul, but it's about Paul. But bade them farewell, saying, I must by all means keep this feast that cometh in Jerusalem, but I will return again unto you if God will. So it's conditional. And it's very reasonable to have conditional things in our life. Like, I'm going to pay my house payment if I get paid. Like, right? That's a condition. Like, I've got to have the money first to do the... Like, there's all sorts of examples like that where we say, I'm going to go to, to all church camp this summer if I can get the time off, if we can get registered, 
if we don't have a kid that had surgery or something like that, which Lord, you know, Lord willing at this point doesn't look like it's situated. Like if, if all those, then it's conditional. Okay. But notice in Hebrews chapter six and verse three, and this we will do if God, uh, if God permit, this we will do if God permit. And then plans that are hindered, which is our next, uh, our next topic, plans that are hindered. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 2.18, Wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. Here is literally the Apostle Paul saying that Satan stopped some of his journeys. He was literally hindered from doing what he wanted to do, what he planned to do, and I would argue we were hindered from buying the grocery store. And we, you could argue Satan hindered us, but God will use it. God will use it. Romans 15, 22, for which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you. Paul, Paul is going on the record with the, Romans, uh, with the Christians in Rome, with the Roman church, not the Roman Catholic church, that didn't exist at this point, but just the Christians that were in a church in Rome, that he had been much hindered coming to them. Literally, uh, we, we have a phrase at, at our house, and I maybe have shared it with you before, but like you're swimming in molasses. Like you just don't feel like you can get anywhere. Like there's some days when I have four things on a list, and I can run those four errands, and I can just boom, 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 I'm done. And there's other days where it's like I have trouble getting any one of them done. I mean, it's just, I, somebody with me here, right? I mean, you're just like, what in the world is happening? I can't even go to the post office? Like, they're, they're doing construction or something, like something stupid or whatever in front of the post office. I can't get to the post office, right? I tend to get frustrated by those things. Michelle's a little more patient. But, but I get, I do, I get frustrated when I get hindered. But I, I, and I'm, I am trying to learn that God can be in the hindering even when the hindering is of Satan. And when it comes to the post office, I feel like Satan's almost always involved. Um, <laughs> Galatians 5, 7. Ye did run well. None of y'all work at the post office, do you? Okay. Uh, I'm not saying everybody that works at the post office is of Satan. That's not what I meant. You did run well. Who did hinder you? That ye should not obey the truth. But notice this, notice this a little bit different here. Your plans can be hindered. But it's different than obeying the truth. Right? Those are two different concepts. You can be hindered. Like, like, what was it? It's just, I don't know, it was... A, Maybe a week or so ago, I felt like again. I just it wasn't ex, or it wasn't errands, but I just felt like I was swimming. And, and I'm assuming the Lord doesn't want me to go there. I was swimming in molasses, not getting anything done. But I can learn from that. I can still obey the truth, even though you know there's construction in front of the post office. Like I can still be looking to God. Okay, God, what are you trying to teach me, or who are you trying to have me open my eyes to see, or what are you trying to show me in this situation? That's still very tangible. Who hinders you from that? Well, only you. Only you. So the premise and practice, I think, is our next slide. Oh, plans in the interim. I'm sorry. And uh, I, I scrolled too far. Plans in the interim. Okay, that, or that are interim. So, so Paul literally addresses this in First uh, Timothy 4. He says that he alludes to it in First Timothy 3, which we read. But he says in 4, till I come... 
Give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. So while you're waiting, don't just wait. Do stuff. And somebody taught me, I was really young Christian. I was probably maybe saved my, the first year of my salvation. And we were supposed to do a Bible study. I didn't understand the instructions. I did it, and I did it wrong. Okay? Another buddy of mine came to the Bible study. He didn't understand the instructions, but he didn't do anything. And the pastor at the time looked at both of us and said, when you don't know what to do, do something. Okay? And that's kind of the situation in play here. And I, I was just, I, was, I just thought I was doing it right, and I, was, I wasn't sure. But I just, and I'm not trying to like pat myself, I was so spiritual my first year. Say, but the lesson stuck with me. Because I thought, well, I could have done nothing. Like, I could have just said, well, I don't understand the assignment. We'll just talk about it at Bible study. But when you don't know what exactly the assignment is, pardon the double negative, don't do nothing. Okay? So while we're waiting on space, while we're waiting for opportunities to grow our ministry, do we sit back and say, well, we're going to take a pause on discipleship. We're going to take a pause on, on COD. We're not going to have LFBI for a semester. No. Like, we just keep going at it. So while you're waiting, do something. Till Paul comes, Timothy is to give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. In 1 Corinthians 11, if any man hunger, let him eat at home. Ye that come not together unto condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. At least get this part down. And then the rest, when I get there, we're going to set the rest in order. But do what you know to do. Right? And look at these. Look, and So the, the references are fairly short. I think I have them on your page. But Luke 19 in a parable, occupy till I come. And occupy is not just, I'm just standing here taking a, I'm on like a bump on a log. No. Occupy is to live. Occupy is to make it your home till he comes back. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. For as oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, notice you do show the Lord's death till he come. Like we don't just sit and wait for the Lord. I'm not sitting in some bunker with a more complicated chart on the wall than that with all these arrows trying to figure out who the Antichrist is and why the Hamas is shooting rockets and the, you know, the Israelis went into the, temple, uh, the, uh, the mosque at the Temple Mount. Like I'm not trying to figure all that out because I'm busy ministering until he comes. In this case, we need to remember him. Till he comes. And then in Revelation 2, 24, one of the, the letters to one of the churches, he says, But I say unto you, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden. I'm not going to add to the burden, but that which ye already have, or you have already, hold fast until I come. Hold fast. Now, holding fast is not sleeping. Holding fast is not, if, 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 you know, if you go back, you know, dozens of years or hundreds of years to warfare where they generally were behind either, you know, trenches in World War I or, or, or what they called breastworks in, in the Civil War or even farther back in castles. And the, like, you know, that's, that concept of occupying or holding fast wasn't just laying down and taking a nap. 
Like you were watching, you were waiting for someone to come at you. You were ready. And in some cases, if you weren't on the line ready, you were somewhere else preparing, getting ready, drilling, or pre uh, preparing munitions, or what have you. So that hold fast is not just this concept of, of passivity. So we have, you know, all of these point to the discipleship decision, which is the first one of the day. Are you willing to have your plans changed by the Lord? Now, they're plans. It's what you're planning on. Tim, can you hit the, the slide for me? Uh, oh, wait, I, I jumped. Go ahead to the next one. That's fine. Are you willing to have your plans changed by the Lord? Are you willing to have your plans changed by the Lord? The, the verses in front, and you don't necessarily need to go there, but Proverbs 16, uh, the preparations of the heart and man, the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Jeremiah 10, 23, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. I need you, God, to interject yourself in my scenario. Are you willing to have your plans changed and directed by the Lord? So this brings us to the second half of the message. And fortunately, it's not 50-50 in time because this will go a little quicker. If you look at the rest of uh, 1 Timothy 3.14-16, it says that thou oughtest know, ought, oughtest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So we need to, we need to do a, a little doctrinal tidy here, tighten up something here. So go to the next slide, if you will, Tim. The church of God is equal to the house of God. Okay? Now, I'm not necessarily saying that everywhere you see church of God and house of God, they're the same. But for all intents and purposes, for practical purposes, the house of God and the church of God are the same. Hebrews 10.21, and having an high priest, of course, Jesus, over the house of God. So Jesus, I hope, hope this comes out right. Jesus isn't over this church like he is. But like if the church burned down and we had to meet at Loose Park, not today because of the rain, but next week on Tuesday night, or we had to meet at a different place, Jesus wasn't sitting up on the, the peak of the main church. Like he's not over the the building. He's over the people, right? And so having a high priest over the house of God literally means the people of God. In 1 Peter 4.17, for the time has come that, ju uh, that judgment must begin at the house of God. Now again, that doesn't necessarily mean the church. It means, well, it says it, and if, it, notice the colon, and if it first begin at us, the house of God, what shall the end of them uh, be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God. In Ephesians 2, 19 and 22. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into an holy temple in the Lord in whom ye are also ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the spirit literally the passage in ephesians is talking about the people it's not about the brick and mortar 
Like the, the people can meet by, a, by a, a, a stream and have a prayer service and the church is occurring, right? So the house of God is the church of God, but it's the people of God. So when we look at the passage, it says, you ought to know you, you, um, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. He's talking about your dealings with the local church, your dealings with the local church. Now, if you go to the next, uh, the next uh, slide, it says that the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. Okay, the pillar and ground of the truth. So you're getting this in part because my son is an architecture major, and so uh, I'm just kind of a, there right now. But but it's interesting because Paul uses athletic illustrations. He uses soldier and warfare, warfare illustrations, but he also likes to use building or architecture illustrations in his teaching. This is actually an architecture reference. This is actually an architecture reference. Notice it's not the pillar and ground of truth, right? It's not a cloak of righteousness. That's, that's, that's equating the thing to the other thing, like a cloak, which you would put on righteousness. Those are equal. That's not what this is. This is the pillar and ground of the truth. So the church is the pillar and ground. So this is the the base or the ground and truth is what it holds up okay so i left you a spot to write you know to to put truth on there if you want but imagine that these sections up here this top part the roof if you will the structure superstructure above is the truth the ground is this base or support stabilizing structure the word actually is base or could have been translated as base or support or structure or stable, okay? So he is literally referencing, and these kinds of columns are contemporary to Paul, right? I mean, these are the kinds of columns that were built. I don't know all of them specifically, but these this architecture existed at that point in time. So he's literally saying that the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. It is literally our job to uphold truth. It's an illustration. It's literally our job to uphold truth. And I think this complements the first part of our message because what Christians can do sometimes is they can be so dogmatic that God is doing something and portray it as truth when it actually isn't, that they look foolish. And I can't tell you how many times I've said, well, this is clearly what God's doing, but it isn't. And the last time I checked, God's still not the fool. I am. Right? Our job is to hold up the truth. We need to be the pillar and ground of the truth. Not of truth, but of, of the truth. And it's literally, we hold this up, but we transfer it the weight, the, the truth, to the ground. So that's our job. Tim, if you could go to the next one. But there's an additional component. It's really interesting. The capital, this part here is called architecturally called the capital of the pillar. So you have the base you ha or the, the ground. You have the pillar or the column. And you have the head or the capital. The capital is a Latin word for head. 
but Christ is literally the head of the church. The illustration, Paul is looking at architecture and he's using just what he sees right in front of him. And he says, look, the truth sits upon Christ. Christ transfers it to the church and the church to the earth. It's a beautiful, it's actually a beautiful illustration Paul's using. He's just grabbing the context and, and Ephesians 1.22 talks about it. He gave him to be the head over all things the church, uh, to the church. Ephesians 5.23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he's the savior of the body. Colossians 1.18, and he is the head of the body, the church. Right? So it's a beautiful, beautiful illustration. So it brings us to our second and our, our last discipleship decision of the day. What are you holding or lifting up? Are you, are you doing anything? There are some pillars. I think maybe at Columbia. So you, University of Columbia has some pillars. Yeah. And it's just like not holding up anything. Right? Yeah. Did it used to? Like yeah. a long time ago? The old building burned down. Oh, okay. Oh, now I feel bad because I was kind of making fun of it. But the old building burned down. <laughs> <laughs> But <clears throat> there are some pillars that are simply decorative. Those are now decorative. They used to be functional. But there are some pillars that are just built to be decorative. They literally hold nothing up. There are some churches today who are just pretty pillars. They don't hold up the truth. They just portray whatever the winds of the doctrine of the day are. And there are some that hold up dilapidated structures. There are some that hold up partial structures. Oh, that this church would be a church that holds up the truth. Right? I mean, that is really our function. And I know, again, it's a little bit wonky that these are kind of two different messages. I didn't feel like either one of them stood alone. But I think they go together. And I think they go together because Paul is not, going, Paul is not dogmatic about his plans. He's dogmatic about his doctrine. So we need to be not dogmatic about what we're hoping to get done or what we're planning to get done. But boy, we can be really dogmatic about the truth. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for how you uh, teach us, how you grow us. And Lord, I know that there are people uh, in this room of every kind of all along the spectrum of their spiritual growth. And Lord, I pray that uh, you use something specifically from different parts of this message to, to hit their heart. You, you, the Holy Spirit does such a great job with that. And I just, I trust that that's what happened today, that there were different aspects of this uh, that, that you would get the glory and honor for. And Lord, I, I just tried to be a willing vessel and just, a, a, just tried to communicate the truth that, that, that I believe you showed to me. And Lord, help us, as whether it's walking out of this room and getting in a car or on a bus or heading home or going to eat or going to the store or whatever it is that we've got to do, let us never... Let us never take for granted uh, that you're in, just in the middle of it. Help us, to be, help us to be attentive to how you're working. Help us to be prepared uh, to pivot. Help us to, to just know that if a door closes, even as you know how frustrated I get sometimes, Lord, help me, help us to realize that you close doors for our good and for our edification. And Lord, for those who don't know you as Lord and Savior, who 
who really feel like maybe all of life is just a, a morass, who don't, who don't have clear vision, who don't know uh, how to listen to your leading, Lord. They, they follow their gut or they follow just what they think is the right thing, but Lord, they constantly seem to hit dead ends. Lord, I pray that you would use your Holy Spirit to convict of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment so that each one of those individuals can come to a saving, saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and approach that in faith. Lord, we love you. We thank you for teaching us. We thank you. I personally thank you for everyone who walked through these doors today and uh, thank you for, for bringing them and, and how much they mean to me. And Lord, we love you and trust you and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys have a great day in the Lord.